Because when you have the relationship, somebody described it to me once as like the cup, right? You've all heard the analogy. When you filled up the cup with a healthy relationship, you can pour a little out with some discipline mm-hmm. and you can still maintain the relationship. But if you're just straight, like there's a bare cup, there's no repertoire, mm-hmm. there's nothing, mm-hmm. then what do you have to go off of? The kid doesn't respect you. They don't know you. Right. Why would they take anything from you? Oh, good. Into that going to be the intro. For <laughs> real. <laughs> Hey y'all, we've got a special episode for you this week. We have our friend Minta coming to visit us from Seattle YFC. So this is part one of a two-part interview with Minta about her life and experience as she's worked in a culturally diverse community for the last 15 plus years. We're so excited to share her story with you and we hope you enjoy listening. Here's part one. Welcome to the Learning and Community Podcast, where every week we explore resources and ideas to maximize the impact of youth workers across our community. What's up? It's Josh. I'm back from vacation. I'm a girl, Rachel. Hey, hey. And this week we are joined by Seattle YFC Ministry Director, Minta. Hey, guys. Thanks for being here. It's great to be here. (laughs) I love you guys. You're like family. Okay, question for you, Minta. We yes. ask this on anytime anybody ever comes to this the podcast. Because you have worked for YFC for how long? 15 plus years. As long as Doug has been around, we've been around the same amount of time. Okay, and you know we've had Doug on. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to talk mess about him, feel free. <laughs> the audience knows. I love Doug. <laughs> but what brought you to YFC and why have you stayed? Yeah, good question. I say this a little tongue-in-cheek, but I came to YFC for the money. And what I mean by that is I was in college, going to school full-time, working full-time, and I was trying to volunteer in my local youth ministry because I really enjoyed working with youth. But I had these goals of what I wanted to achieve, and at some point I was staying up to like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, sobbing in my math books, like just struggling to keep afloat with all mm-hmm. my homework and all my work, and then trying to do something I'm passionate about on the side, which is youth ministry. So I went to my youth pastor, and I was like, I have to step out for a while. I just had these goals I want to achieve. And even though I love youth ministry, I'm very passionate about it. It's just me giving, giving, giving the last ounces of day time that I have. And and I'm not keeping my grades where I want to be. And I'm not getting enough sleep. So I need to care of myself. He listened. It was great. And then he said, hey, <laughs> I heard that there's this organization that will pay college students to work in youth ministry, would you please, before you step out fully, would you please consider this as an option? So he connected me with the executive director of Seattle YFC at the time, Brian Muchmore. It was like a week or two after the deadline for interns, and he interviewed me, and I got accepted as an intern for Youth for Christ. And so I say the money because it was, at the time, the internship gave a college scholarship and a monthly stipend. So the monthly stipend helped pay my bills, my gas, and the college scholarship helped me stay in school. So that was a win-win. So I was able to cut back how much I worked and stay in youth ministry, which was was pretty great, right? So that started it. Originally, I was going to school for nursing because I felt called to be a missionary. I wanted to work with people from other cultures. I love travel. I love diversity. I love learning new things and meeting new people. And I just felt more alive and whole when I was in those spaces. And I had done some mission trips over the years. And everywhere I went, I was like, I'm going to live here. I'm going to live here. I imagine my life everywhere. <laughs> God, if you call me here, I totally know how my life is going to work out. <laughs> I had it all figured out. But through the process of 
interning, we were required to go on campus um, and work in local schools, public schools. And because I wanted to work with students who are different than myself, I volunteered in the ELL, ESL classrooms. And that changed my life. Hearing the stories of immigrant children in our community talk about their lives and what it was like either coming to the U.S. or living in the U.S., living in our community that was predominantly white at the time. It literally changed how I thought about the world and broke my heart. And the question that kept running through my mind was, who fights for these kids? Like, who's here for them? Who's going to help them with their needs? You know, if their parents only speak one language and they don't understand English, who helps them with their homework? Who helps them navigate life? And so those questions of who, who, who (laughs) eventually led to like, Oh, that's probably me. <laughs> and I realized, like, God did call me to missions. He did call me to work cross-culturally. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I would be a hypocrite if I neglected the diversity in my own backyard and left to go do it internationally. And some people are called to that and zero judgment. Absolutely zero judgment. This is my own story, my own journey. Yeah. yeah. But knowing that God had called me here. Yeah. And the things he put in my heart weren't wrong. I just only had a certain framework. Like my framework was that women only do children's ministry. They do missions as a nurse or a teacher. So I was going to nursing school. Those are the only ways to do it. Mm -hmm. So that was my trajectory. And through the process of interning with YFC and working cross-culturally and doing these programs, I had a total paradigm shift. It was pretty amazing. Um, So I eventually dropped out of nursing school and switched to an intercultural major. I didn't even know that about you. Yeah. I've known you for, what, eight years now? Yeah, probably. Yeah. You do kind of wonder, because my life is very strange. I grew up, you know, homeschooled, living in the country, grew up without a TV, and here I am, (laughs) (laughs) working in public schools with kids from different cultures (laughs) in urban youth ministry in neighborhoods where gang violence and poverty are prolific, and it's like I was made for this. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I will say that my parents, like, did a great job raising me. I love my parents a lot. Like, our home was a very safe place, even though we weren't perfect. But they created a safe place, and both of them came from families where there was levels of dysfunction, and they created a safe place in the midst of dysfunction. So I've had family members, cousins who've lived with us over the years. We're always aware of all these things that went on, even though I kind of lived in a bubble. Yeah. I wasn't naive to domestic violence or drug abuse or addiction or anything like that. So yeah. It was an interesting way to grow up. So totally. having a sense of being able to walk into places where there's a sense of chaos or it's just different and not being intimidated and being able to help bring about love and safety and acceptance and create safe spaces Yeah, has been something that was a gift for my parents for sure. Yeah. I love that. So why have you stayed? <laughs> Among all of those things, of course. <laughs> Same as the first answer for the money. <laughs> Christian, Christian nonprofit work is very lucrative. I highly recommend everyone get involved in it. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think, like, there's definitely been times over the years where I thought about leaving. It's hard. It's like, it's hard work. It's not something you can do in a year or two and see a ton of fruit mm-hmm. from always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the most fruit and and success I've seen in the work that I do came like five, six, 
seven, ten years into it. I'm still friends with students that kids were, who were formerly my students, right, who are now young adults who still reach out to me. We're still in a relationship. They're figuring out their families, their marriage. Like last year, I got to marry two of my former students. That was powerful. They met in middle school at a middle school camp that Youth for Christ put on. Like wow. to be asked to officiate their wedding was like, that's why I do it. Like yeah. the relational longevity. Also, in youth ministry, I noticed this trend where people didn't stick around very long. And and I experienced that in my own life. Like, church ministry, there's a fast rotation of youth pastors. And how do you build anything on fast turnover? Right. Like, if you really want to build something, you have to be willing to do the hard work. Right. And same with relationships and same with building bridges in cross-cultural ministry. And as somebody who's white trying to connect with the Hispanic community or the black community, that takes a lot of time to earn people's trust. And it's not when I decide, it's when they decide I'm trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And, And that's important. So there's like a stubbornness in me that's just stuck it out because I know that that's possible. I know that reconciliation and hope and connection is possible. But yeah, a lot of it is just because I realize there's no way to actually see the fruit unless you stick it out long term. That's good. You might be part of planting seeds and all of that. And if that's what helps you sleep at night, that's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I say that a little sarcastically, but I kind of mean it. Like, if you want to see the fruit of the work you're doing, you want to really be invested in long-term change in the community and in people's lives, you have to be willing to stick it out Mm long-term. And learn along the way because goodness knows I've not been perfect and I made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. said a lot of ignorant things and been called on it and checked on it and I do apologize and but but definitely the reward of long-term relationships with students and their families like when I see certain families and kids it's like we're family yeah like they're not my students anymore we're family we're connected so that means a lot to me so my question following that to you was what do you think has been in your last 15 years the greatest barrier to cross-cultural relationships because i think i mean in a sense you did have a bit of a leg up with your ability to speak spanish in the community that you're working in but i mean there's a lot of even diversity within the spanish-speaking community so yeah like i'm sure that even having that as a tool in your pocket didn't help you override all these other barriers right what has that been like well Initially, I was working predominantly with the Hispanic community, and the Hispanic community is culturally and religiously Catholic. So coming in as a white person who's Christian presented a few threats, right? And so for me, I just realized, like, why does that have to be a threat? So I went out of my way to make friends with the Catholic priest. I'd go talk to him and ask him questions about Catholicism that I didn't understand. I would show up for their baptismal ceremonies and their quinceanera church services, totally respectful. Like, even if I didn't understand it all, I wanted to honor and respect and immerse myself in cultural things. Right. So I've been to a ton of parties, quinceaneras and church services for all kinds of things. Yeah. Weddings, funerals, you name it. I've gone to it in the Catholic church. And we even asked the priest to come and share some talks at our club. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like one year he came and spoke on Valentine's Day about St. Valentine. And that was really special. Yeah. Like 
to have that and have that friendship that I've learned a lot from that. Like I decided I would never tell a kid that they were wrong for what they had grown up with. Mm. I just would never do that. We would, our goal and what I would tell parents is absolute truth. We study the Bible and we teach kids about Jesus and what it means to live and follow Jesus. And that should be the same whether you call yourself Catholic or Christian. So it took a lot of time, but being really consistent in that, in that community, I think earned me a lot of trust and I stopped being that other. And eventually the moms and dads who did trust me would tell other parents and they would like that kind of spread throughout the community Mm -hmm. that myself or whoever worked with me or partnered with us was trustworthy because we honored and respected. We weren't trying to convert or change their children. Yeah. We wanted them to do the same thing, to know the Bible and to love Jesus and to walk and live in a life that followed Jesus. That's it. So that was actually an advantage. Other culture, I mean, there's definitely cultural challenges, things that I still can't wrap my mind around and don't agree with. Mm -hmm. But I still try to be really um, respectful of the students, but also try to have open conversations with them about, we do live in the United States. and These are what our laws do say. If you don't follow the laws, regardless of what your culture says, it could cause problems for you. Like, I want you to be informed. We need to have these conversations. So things like when you get your driver's license and do you drive with insurance and um, when do you drink and those things, you know. But if I just came down hard on the rules, hard and fast on the rules and what I thought was right or wrong, it would sever that relationship really fast. And so I really, more than anything, value that students and their families felt honest, like they could be honest with me and that I wouldn't judge them or push them away and sever our relationship just because I didn't agree with them or approve of their lifestyle or whatever. So that's been a long, long, (laughs) long learning curve. But what it has done is that when the students are ready to come to Jesus or ready to turn themselves into the police or ready to go to court for something or ready to actually follow Jesus with their life, they come back. Yeah. I've never not seen kids come back, even if they've gone on the craziest rebellious streaks when you have a good relational foundation. Yeah. for tuning in to the learning and community podcast just a reminder you can find us anywhere and everywhere on the internet itunes google play spotify tacomayfc.org and whatever platform you're listening on right now